Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara. Brought to you by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Connect with Sharon now at 781-837-4900 and online at bostonconnect.com. Now, here's Sharon McNamara. Well, good morning, South Shore. It's not Sharon McNamara. It's actually Mark Stiles sitting in for Sharon McNamara on this beautiful Saturday morning. And I have with me three of my closest and dearest friends, Rich Murphy, Tony Pina, and Dana Jr. And we're going to talk about a few things this morning. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. We're going to first start off talking about a new concept in real estate that's out there right now, and that is recycling homes. The three gentlemen that are with me are currently doing some of this, and we're going to just chat about it and find out what it is, what it means, and how it uh, affects the environment. So who wants to jump in and give me a new definition of what the recycled home concept is? Dana? A recycled home. Uh, well, thank you first for having me on here. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to give my two cents on this topic. It is something I'm, I'm, that I'm passionate about. Uh, I've been a home builder for quite some time, and I've done a lot of new houses in the area. I come from a, uh, a family of builders. And uh, the, the thing of it is, is that as my career has gone on, I have found that uh, my most interesting part about doing what I do is, uh, is really not brand new houses. It's actually um, rehabbing houses. Reason for that is, uh, the budget can go all over the place. Of course, that's always interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> we can get into the budgets area with Rich here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, it gives an opportunity to take what someone else has done in the past and, and uh, work around it. So you don't end up with, with square boxes that are all the same yep. in the end. It's definitely something where use your imagination, use the materials around you, uh, even materials within the house, you can take them from here, put them there. Right. Uh, I've had places where I, I have do no, done new houses, but I've had to tear a house down. Yep. But I, I'm, I, I usually just don't throw the whole thing away. I save whatever I can out of it. Some cool pieces, some doors, some knobs, things like that. I save them, warehouse them, and then I end up incorporating them into other houses. And it means a lot to me. It's a lot of fun. So you're, you're in essence, you're repurposing an existing structure as opposed to uh, going into a, a new and undeveloped area of land and disturbing wildlife and such. You're taking uh, someone's trash and making it a treasure, in essence. Is that is Absolutely. that right, what you'd say, Tony? Yeah, I mean, Dane has been doing this a lot longer than it, um, since it became popular as like part of the green movement. Like He's been doing it kind of as a niche for... Um, a good amount of time but now people are looking to do that because it's sustainable I mean it's you're taking materials that would normally end up somewhere you know at a landfill and you're actually repurposing it and using it so that it doesn't end up there and like Dana said sometimes it's not just structural but sometimes you find these pieces that are just they're like little pieces of archaeology or they're just nice architectural features that you just they're just not made that way anymore. So you want you want to kind of save that. And uh, and some of the the actual materials are are pretty strong and they're pretty durable, so that they could actually continue forward into the future. Some of the some of the materials are actually better than they are now. Would you agree to that? Tom? Yeah, I mean, there's been a big movement. Like for instance, in flooring, 
Um, that movement's been going for a while where they take, you know, southern yellow pine and out of, say, like timber structures, yep. and then they repurpose it, reclaim it, saw it down, make floors out of it. And it's, it's hard to find, like, old southern yellow pine of that. You are know, there a lot age. of materials that are recycled like that that can be repurposed into these homes, these recycled homes that we're speaking to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dana was talking about, like, doors. There's, you know, mantles. Like, if you think of anything that was made, you know, before the industrial, uh, before, you know, like, full-on manufacturing, big box stores, that's probably going to be made in a much different way than how we make things now. So, Frankly, I think it's the good stuff. Right. Good stuff, yeah. Like they don't make them like they used to, you know? Right. No, and right. those items, you know, stand the test of time. Um, timeless pieces. As once again, you, you find them in different parts of the house. And they don't necessarily end up in that house um, or even in that same room on the next house. Uh, I mean, you know, unique windows um, are a great example of repurposing. And you don't have to use it as a window in, in the house. You can use it as a decoration and... and um, Reglass it and, and, and make it uh, a focal point that's nothing to do with the structure and, and just a pretty piece and you you can see that a lot as well. Oh yeah, and the sky's the limit on that. I mean, uh, I've been to salvage places up in Maine and taken back pieces uh, of of uh, old windows and taken all the glass out of them. Uh, yeah, I, I got I got a couple of windows out of a church up in Maine. Yeah. And I took all the glass out of them. I recut the glass, and I used them as transom windows above my my bathroom door. Yep. And, uh, boy, it just, I mean, it lets the light through. and That sounds really neat. Those things are the things that when people walk through my house, they say, wow, that's a great idea. How did you right. even think of that? Right. So when we're talking about recycling homes, we're not just talking about recycling the existing home, the one that you find, you buy, you close on, and you start to, quote, rehabilitate it. We're talking about actually taking materials from other locations and repurposing those as well as the home for is sure that, is that right absolutely or you can even take pieces out of the home that you're remodeling and then reuse it back whether it's in the basement or somewhere else or maybe or, even in another yeah. home or right. a secondary project but i gotta say out of out of all the creative more creative projects that i've done i.e not square box new houses yep uh, those places are by far the most interesting places that that I find the most interesting in building them and when people walk through them uh, it, it really is that the times that I get all those comments are those comments are on the recycled pieces right as opposed to new construction clear the lot lay the foundation yeah, and build got it that. up right everybody's got that you know it's just we, we went through a whole wave of new construction and all, and it really is a time to, to get creative, yep. use what you have around you, and uh, it's make it fun. Now, I'm also hearing that some of the consumers, the, the home buyers, aren't looking for these larger homes. They're looking for oh, yeah. more character in the home, more, uh, you know, the right-sized, I think, is the new new age term. Uh, you guys agree with that statement? Uh, I definitely would. Um, you know, there was a time and a place where people wanted the, the big house, four bedrooms, two and a half baths, and, and, and as time goes on, those houses become expensive to run, maintain, and, um, and I think, uh, you know, people have become more focused on, you know, not downsizing, but just... Um, 
you know, leaving leaving a simpler life. Right. And um, a house can be uh, a more difficult. A big house can be lead you to a more difficult life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, understood. Yeah. So now, these homes that we find that we end up recycling. Um, you know, how do you how do you actually find those? And anybody can jump in on this. I mean, how do you how does one find a home that is in a situation that would be appropriate for recycling? Well, um, you know, uh, the real estate community is a, a great resource yep. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our host who's not here, Sharon McNamara, yep. is, uh, you know, well versed at that. But um there's also a great opportunity of doing it yourself. It's not easy. Um, it takes a lot of uh, work and a little private investigation. But uh, as you're driving around or riding your bike around, you can see certain homes with um, that uh, haven't been cared for. Yeah, the, the grass is three feet tall. And the, uh, in the gutter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the gutter. <laughs> and, Broken uh, windows. The, the rake boards are ready to fall Got off. Got it. So, I mean, you take a visit to your town hall and uh, look that address up, find those people, find their phone number, find a contact for them, and put it out there and say, look, I'm, I'm interested in trying to make something out of this. And uh, and how, how is the town? Are they receptive to the idea when there's oh, a yeah, there's yeah. a rundown home that uh, you might be interested in trying to oh, recycle? Absolutely. I mean, some towns you'll find are, are uh, so, um, so much promoting this yeah this idea yep. is that that it's good for the town not to have vacant homes right out of all the waiver foreclosures and all that you got all these vacant homes right. it leads to trouble it leads to kids getting in it leads to vandalism you know straight cats and skunks and all the rest and uh if if town management can realize and they have realized look we need to promote development promote uh, investment in these yep. places and get it cleaned up and it's better for everybody now i've heard there are certain towns um that are actually publishing lists of vacant homes and and trying to promote it that way is that uh does that make sense for the the town and the and the community to do that it oh. absolutely does um a town that uh, dan and i are familiar with in carver um, is doing just that um, they have a list that of vacant homes and um they are proactive in, in in trying to get these homes um, repurposed, so to speak. So the the town would actually then proactively reach out to a group like yourselves and say, "Is this something that you might be interested in? We can help facilitate it." Or how do they handle that? Component? Well, you know, th- I mean, it gets tricky because at the end of the day, um, these homes are owned by um, people. People, <laughs> <laughs> and the town, you know, they can point you in the right directions. But uh, at the end of the day, whoever owns the home is the one who's going to sell it to you. Right. Um, well, but but Carver's been um, a, a great town, and Dana. Uh, yeah. Dana's I mean, looking at a project there right now. What the town what the town can do and has been doing is uh, is help through the permit process a little bit more than Got they it. usually do. You know, they spend a little extra time. Um, I have found that some town planners are are really promoting that. They get direction from the selectmen and, and the powers to be in that town to say, look, this is what we want. Right. And and really, that's a collective voice of the community at large. Now, I know that there were certain municipalities uh, in this in this cycle that we were talking about, the foreclosure cycle, the post-2008 mortgage meltdown, if you will, that some of the uh, lower-end type of uh, municipalities, such as Springfield, 
Lawrence, they were putting a lot of pressure on banks and homeowners who were letting their homes become deteriorated and become nuisances to the neighbors. Are some of the the Plymouth County towns putting any pressure on homeowners or lenders who are owning those homes to, to help push these along, or are they just simply um, doing doing some uh, more passive, aggressive type maneuvers, such as the list of vacant homes? I, I think, I mean, it's, it's tough for certainly me to speak to it. I don't, I'm not working on the inside, so yep. to speak, on town hall. You know, really all I can speak to is, is uh, I don't necessarily get a call from a town hall to say, right. hey, look into this thing. But right. I have gotten suggestions from town planners at town hall to say, hey, you know, I know of a project over there. It's coming on the market. What do you think? Is that something you'd be interested in? Because we know you can make it happen. Right. You've done it before. You can do it again. Right. And we are interested in that. And uh, you're not going to see these quote-unquote roadblocks at town hall. You're going you're gonna to see an easier a lot, path. a lot of help. Right. You're going to get a lot of help. We're all on the same page here. See if right. you can make something work. Right. And that makes sense for the overall global community, right? If there's no nuisance-type properties that would create, uh, you know, vandalism and, and those sorts of things, Oh yeah. the overall community would be pleased with it. I know there was, I mentioned Springfield because they had a, a lawsuit uh, that, pending, that was pending with respect to they were doing more than what was allowed by state law, yeah, and they were starting to fine and penalize, and uh, and in essence, uh, attempt to take property from from the banks, and that was shot down in our in our upper upper court. So I could see that there's a, a, a balancing test there, where the town has certain wants and needs in their plan and their their, their larger plan, as opposed to what they can actually do. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think too that uh, speaking of town hall and the rules and the codes and all that. Uh, there's such a huge green movement from the government side as as well. Obviously, um, they've made codes much more strict. Right. Um, to the yeah, point. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I mean Tony can really speak yeah, to that. Yeah, let's, let's talk more. about that. So we're talking about the energy code and yeah. the. And the yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's so true. Just like consumers have become more educated, and there's more of a market for um, green products yep. and recycled materials. That extends out um, not just on the consumer side, but even on the municipal side. Like certain planners and certain municipalities have gone for becoming green communities. So to become a green community, there's certain things that have to be done. And I think um, you know the stretch code for um, you know for energy savings is one thing, but also on the planning side, like for in the case in Springfield, like I'm sure someone in their municipal government realized that, um, you know, mending and fixing the existing urban fabric instead of just leaving it wide open, that's a huge principle of the smart growth movement is to make it so that instead of just, you know, clear cutting areas and doing new developments, which there's, there's a place for that, but also make it efficient by using the structure in the facility that you have in the town that's existing and don't just leave it abandoned right. and make sure that you can mend that and keep, because there are neighbors on all sides of those abandoned projects. Right. So, you know, that's a part of, but that's a social part of the bigger green movement. But you, people are definitely more educated and it's created a, a bigger market for for um, for anything green and um, thinking about sustainability in right. a larger framework. Right. For sure, I mean, even getting back to recycling homes, 
in that way. Uh, they want you to permitting is much much easier on, a, on an existing house sure. than to even add on to an existing house. If you're just working within the volume of the house that you already have, and yep. you say, "I just want to fix what I got," right? You know, geez, the the permitting is vastly different. Right. I mean, you're not going to spend. You can spend months and tens of thousands on plans and permitting for new houses and all that but on recycling houses uh they 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 really want to help you out right. and and expedite it it's a much simpler process for them right to permit something that's already there versus um reviewing plans that are all new right right um, now exactly. go to a go to a town hall meeting someday and and go sit in on sub a subdivision being approved or a 40b yeah and um the, the amounts of materials that these developers have to to bring forth and all the engineering and you scratch your head at the end of the day and you say how do they make any money how do they do it right you guys have a lot of experience in town government you you're essentially part of town hall right now uh, right? Tony's been a part of town hall for quite a while and um, I've been on a couple I'm on two boards right now I'm yeah I'm on the planning board and then um another committee of the recreation fields committee right so I the planning board is is the board in town that has the big picture vision right of what the master plan would be how do we execute on the master plan are these homes and developments uh, fitting in within that plan is that is that an accurate yeah statement? I mean we just completed um, an updated master plan it hadn't been updated in a few decades yeah um, but it doesn't just look at residential. It looks at like areas of growth. It looks at commercial. It looks as at the town as a whole, and um, how we want certain parts of town to develop. So it's not just looking sort of at a micro scale. Yeah. It's um it's like a whole it's a whole vision of a town. Yeah. And then um, you know, project by project specifically is probably more ZBA. Yeah. If you're trying to do something that's a little different than what the vision for the town is, so. Okay, well, I just got the signal from Ryan. We're going to go to a commercial break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Rich, Tony, and Dana. And this is Mark Stiles. Hello, my name is Mark Stiles. I'm the principal attorney of Stiles & Associates, a law firm located in Marshfield. Our practice focuses on real estate transactions. So if you're looking to purchase a property or sell a property, think about Styles and Associates. Whether it's the home that you plan to raise your family in or looking to diversify and purchase a real estate investment, the attorneys at Styles and Associates can help. Whether your transaction is traditional or one that's more complicated and unique, such as a short sale transaction, a bank-owned property, or a foreclosure, we can help. Our goal at Styles and Associates is to make sure you understand the entire process, have all of your questions answered, but most importantly, are adequately protected. So give us a call at Styles and Associates at 781-319-1900 or check us out on our website at styles-law.com. S-T-I-L-E-S-law.com. Styles and Associates, where personal service and professional excellence still matter. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? 
Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have, but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. Plumbing problems are inevitable. Sad to say, do not fix it yourself. After all, that's your home you're living in. McNamara Plumbing. New construction, renovations, repairs, service calls. McNamara Plumbing. Fully insured. 781-294-7100. McNamara Plumbing. 50% more talk real estate, absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara. Now, one hour, every Saturday morning on 95.9 WATD. Hi, so this is Mark Stiles coming back at you. Sharon is off this weekend, spending her summer times doing what people do in the summer. So I uh, offered to step in. And we're with Rich Murphy, Tony Pina, and Dana Jr. Talking about recycling homes taking someone's trash and making it a treasure. As we were talking about in the break, uh, Dana had mentioned that you actually would save money by recycling the home when a lot of these green projects out there right now are not cost effective, although they make you feel a lot better. They're not necessarily cost effective, but let's talk about recycling the home, otherwise known as rehabbing a home and how we can actually save some real cash doing a transaction like that heck first thing I, that, that pops into my mind when I build a new house you would be amazed at how much is thrown away in scraps yeah it's crazy it costs a lot of money to throw trash is big business now. right costs a lot of money to throw away it, it costs a lot of time um, it's just to me it's just one of the untapped uh, resources that we have is I hate to put it like this, but trash picking, you know, right. you know what I mean? Right. But uh, once again, it's it's in a, in a recycled house, you, you don't get nearly that much. Right, right. Yeah, that's what's unfortunate because when you're doing single single home projects like that, there's not that economy of scale that you get right. with larger projects. On larger projects and LEED certified projects, you actually have to separate all the waste into separate Containers, so all the wood goes in one container, all the metal goes in another yep. container, and it's actually recycled. All the metals recycled, the woods bringing brought to a different. So there's no co-mingled, there's no co-mingled waste. But in you're doing one house, even you know, like Dana said, a new house you have a lot of waste. Right, it all um, goes to one one huge one dumpster. Big, huge dumpster. And, yeah. crazy. and remember, what's going in the dumpster you just bought. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 and maybe not getting recycled. Tony, let me just back you up there. You had uh, made reference to LEED certified. Can you just tell the listeners what exactly that refers well, to? Well, LEED is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. So it's, um, so it's a program. It's in its fourth version now, and it's been around for quite a long time, over a decade. Um, it started out mostly on the commercial side, but they do have lead for homes now. 
obviously lead for new construction of all different types. They have commercial fit out. They have lead for schools. They have um, lead as part of a long-term maintenance and operation of a building. And then they even have it now that extends all the way into neighborhood development and planning. Got so it. it's diff different iderations of um, an accredited professional. You can specialize in different. Right. And you are a certified lead? Yes. Okay. But that wouldn't affect a one-off transaction like we're uh, talking about. The new about. lead for homes uh, program is pretty aggressive. You can, you can adapt the program. Um, you know, it, building a new home or a rehab, it would be, it would be um, interesting to try and do one because I think, like I said before, I think consumers are um, looking for sustainable, yeah. sustainably built and um, green sort of certified things now. So um, it would be a, you know, a good exercise to maybe try and apply the new Lead for Homes program to one of these one of these projects to see how it so uh, while we were on break we started talking about another interesting way of finding these homes you guys uh, had mentioned that you were doing a lot of bicycling over the last uh, few months can we <laughs> can we uh, open up that discussion a little bit Rich? sure we um, the four of us um, started bicycling a lot this summer for um, the PMC which we just finished on Sunday yes we did and uh, three of us sitting here myself Tony and Mark our first-time riders Dana is a, uh, a veteran of uh, four rides and um, we're sitting here pretty proud of uh, our accomplishment well let's right. tell me tell tell the the listeners about our accomplishment what exactly is the pan mass challenge dana well first of all can i talk about my saddle sores or <laughs> no. Or <laughs> no okay no um in any case uh, the pan mass challenge is um it's a it's roughly it's a 192 mile bike ride over the course of two days i would say wow if i didn't just do it with you yeah, like, yeah wow yeah. Well, you still can mark <laughs> <laughs> you still can it's, it's a lot if if you become involved in it, you quickly realize that the wow part isn't the 192 right. miles. It's just not. And the challenge part is not the physical part. It's raising money uh, per a predetermined quota by the PMC. And, and what, is the don't, what is the uh, beneficiary of the PMC? It's the Jimmy Fund. 100% right. of the rider raised money goes to the Jimmy Fund. We all know that the Jimmy Fund is in an integral part in the Dana-Farber. Which is a cancer institute. Yes, cancer yes, institute. Yes. So all this money that we're raising are going to various different um, researchers into different kinds of cancer. So we were part of a team, mm -hmm. a team uh, based out of Marshfield with a goal that initially was... Uh, $60,000. The goal was originally sixty, and we have pushed it um, because we were feeling pretty good up to 75000 How are we doing on that? Uh, we're doing pretty well, but we still need a little help. We're and how would, a, how would a listener help the Marshfield team reach their goal? Well, uh, an easy way would be to uh, sit in front of your computer and type Marshfield Team Rams PMC, and I'm pretty sure that'll pop up at the top of our page. We've been pretty good at uh, pushing this. So and P you PMC.org is the website, and uh, searching th for Marshfield will get Marshfield the team. Marshfield Team Rams. Right. And then there's a big orange button that says, that reads donate. Feel right. free to click it, and uh, click it a lot, and 
pull out your credit card. All right, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this to a personal level for everybody. I hope you're okay with that. What made you guys decide to ride in the PMC, Dana? Shall I first? Okay. Yes. Hopefully, I can keep it together on this. I always yeah. get emotional talking about this. Um, my son Nathan was diagnosed with neuroblastoma when he was three. Got it. Um, he he. We had no idea what was going on. He went into a three-year well visit. The doctor said, take off your shirt, like, to, to check him out and saw a lump in his belly. We thought it was toddler belly. Yeah. He was our first child. We didn't know, and he didn't really have any symptoms of, of anything bad. And uh, she recognized it right away, had x-rays done, and he was on an operating table within 14 days. Wow. And uh, he had, a, I mean, a little kid, three years old, he had essentially a baked potato size tumor in his belly uh it did have an ulcer in it it bled into him they they resected it they took it out and they said he's lined up for uh all kinds of chemo and radiation and you can imagine as a parent with your three-year-old child who doesn't know what the heck's going on right uh, how that feels um it was it was probably the most traumatic experience in my life yeah hopefully i'll have nothing more than that uh, but he he was operated on at Children's. He was followed by Dana Farber. He was followed by the Perini Clinic. Yep. We spent a lot of time at the Jimmy Fund. And let me tell you something. Those people over there, they know what they're doing. They're unbelievably compassionate, and uh, they get the job done. Right. And and that wouldn't happen all without funding. And PMC is a large component to the funding? PMC donates, uh, it, it turns out that all that money that goes to the Jimmy Fund, 100% of the rider raised funds, goes to the Jimmy Fund, and that comprises more than half of their budget. Wow, so that was a pretty inspiring weekend. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. So getting back to the original question, what got me to do it is yeah. him, and it still took me five years after that to actually plunge in and make the commitment because I was too afraid of raising that money. Right. I'm not good at asking people for money. I hate it. I, I don't want to do it, but then I'm like, you know what? Who's going to do it? Right, right. You know, you got to look in the mirror and say, what am I willing to do? Right. Get out of my comfort zone. And be a part. Right. Don't sit on the sidelines. Right. Hey, how about you, Tony? What has uh, made you decide to well, ride? Well, lucky it? enough for me, da me and Dane have been cycling together for many years. And uh, I was part of picking him up at the finish line at his f the first time he did the PMC. We had been training together because I was doing triathlons and he was getting ready for that. Um, and once you experience it, even not as a participant, but just seeing... Um, how organized and how big the event is, how many riders there are, you just can't help to not want to be involved. Right. Um, that, thought, I, that thought went through my head many times this weekend. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, if our country only ran as smooth and as f efficiently as this event has run with 6,000 riders, how they pushed us all through and along and made sure every step of it was, it was perfect, done our country would be in a yeah. very good place right now. The 6,000 riders with the 4,000 support right. volunteers right. for those 6,000 riders. It's That's just right. amazing. They did a great and job. And then, um, you know, getting to know Rich has just been, um, it's getting to hear Rich's story really has changed me in some ways. I mean, we talk about it when we ride. You, right. you guys all know that. And just that day when he talked about um, the last day of school, yeah. Like a few years ago, yeah. I I just couldn't stop thinking about right. that, the whole you know for the whole training for all, for this whole summer that we've been together. Um, I didn't know it at the time when I committed, but um, 
my dad's had some pretty aggressive prostate cancer and that only kind of um accelerated um during the training so that's been a big motivator and that's kind of dragged um me to a little closer to my family and bringing them um you know into the event right so it's been a little bit more personal than what i thought it would but you know like we've talked about the more you're around the event the more it's just you you can't help but to not be inspired right and humbled and just um want to be part of it that's right so rich what made you decide to ride (laughs) in the pmc oh mark i don't think we have enough time on the show to to say why but um you know i i've really thought about this um afterwards why why i rode and um it's i felt that it was an obligation yeah why um because uh, I owe my life to the Dan, I owe my life to Dana Farber. Wow. It's that simple. And um, you know, in this day and age, you've you've, you, you've got to pay. You got to pay it forward. Pay it forward. Right. And um, you know, I was diagnosed seven years ago. I had my first operation eight eight oh eight. So we're coming up on a pretty uh, wow. interesting milestone to right. say the least. And. Um, no, it's just uh, it, it's that simple. Uh, an obligation that I have to Dana Farber, and um, that obligation uh, was reaffirmed on uh, on that bike for 192 miles. So, would you guys do it again? You think? Absolutely, 100. percent Absolutely, but I do have to say, uh, I have to be honest. After day one, <laughs> um, I'm sitting there and uh, I scratch my head and I said, I don't know if I can do this. Yes, and. Um, and then day two is an am- one of the more amazing days. And um, Team Marshfield Rams Cancer rode together from Bourne to P-Town. Rode together, and um, I, after that day, I don't see how you, we can't do it. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm all in. So for the listeners out there who are actually inspired by this, um, is it... Is it a is it a monumental task? Can anybody do this? Is it is it is it just so difficult to ride one ninety two or? It'd be amazing. One of the amazing things that I saw when I did my first PMC is all different kinds right. of people, and it's your will. Right. It's definitely your will. Don't. It's not. Oh, geez, it's a long way. My physical ability. I'm out of shape. It's get on your bike. Get out there and do it. Right. You know, because think about all the things that you maybe don't have to endure sometimes that other people are enduring because it was thrust upon them. Right. Do it. Right. Just keep pedaling. And you can. Just keep pedaling. I really think anyone can do it. It's not a race. That's the thing to remember. It's not a race. There's water stops. You could break like almost every 20 miles. Everybody's waiting up for each other. There's a lot of support out on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. Yeah, but so it's that's the key thing to remember. It's you, you have the whole day to get that first day done. Once you get that under your belt, you just get up the second day. There's tons of support. It's by far the best weekend of the year for me. Really? I'll speak for myself. It's uh, it's inspiring. The people along the sides of the roads yep. are they're holding up signs. They're saying thank you. Uh, you know, you you saved my daughter, right. and here she is. Right. And they hold up signs to say four-year survivor right been cancer-free for four months right thank you dana farber thank you riders and it is a direct result that their lives were saved 
from raising this money. Right. And it's PMC has been doing it for 35 years. They, they know what they're doing. The money's going to the right place. It's happening. It's a difficult disease, but I hate to say it's somewhat of an easy equation. The money, raise what? the money, right. put the money in Dana Farber and the, yeah. this institution, and, uh, and they will find a cure, the cure, um, something to help whoever's suffering. It's, it's an amazing place. The, the, they really have come so far. This money has gone to good places. Think about where we were even 10 years ago. Right. Um, and I, again, getting back to my situation with my son, they've been doing this ride for 35 years, and there are riders still in uh, this year that have been doing it for 35 years. Yeah, for that 29 was years. Of money we met a couple local years. Marfield guys right. <laughs> on the boat home. Right, right. Those people saved my son. Right, right. Steve Weisgerber, 28-year rider. Yeah. Right? 28 yep. years Matt of pleasure. Matt DeLuca. Right. Yeah. 20. And his plus. friend Mickey. Yeah, Len Bicknell. How long has he Bicknell's, been riding? Bicknell's. From what I understand, the Bicknell's individually are responsible for raising over a million dollars Thank from you, this Bicknell's. race. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And that's, we're all in this together. And you've got to realize from, from the riders yep. to the volunteers yep. to the uh, organizers to, to people who donate right. to people on the side of the road who have maybe no money. Right. They can't donate. Right. They, they don't have the time to volunteer. Train, but they're right. there. Right. They're there. They're cheering you on. And getting you to pedal harder. Right. right. And and we're all in this together, and we all have a part. So uh, we're urging people, take your part. I mean, no amount is too small. Um, become a volunteer. Look right. into it. Become a volunteer. Right. It's going to be the best experience of your life. It really, it really was really, really inspiring. Um, I have a lot of memories from it. One of the uh, most Fun memories was Da Hedge. You remember approaching? <laughs> oh, Duh that Hedge. was amazing. <laughs> Dan and Brewster, <laughs> they go crazy down there. They They're have a bunch some, of nuts. <laughs> there are some fun folks. For the listeners who aren't familiar, Da Hedge, as they approach it, it gives you mile markers. You're coming up on Da Hedge, and you come upon a real hedge, and all of a sudden these people come flying out from under the hedge, jumping up and down. And it really, it does. It gets you to continue pedaling that much harder, and yeah. that's just part of what gets you pedaling harder me personally heading into lakeville at the end of day one was just uh, an extremely heavy heavy moment for me they had about a quarter of a mile of signs with pictures of children that are either n in memory or currently fighting this awful disease with their names and i took a slow ride up that hill but knew that there's no way that we're going to stop pedaling what's overwhelming to me about that is not one particular face. It's the number of faces. Right. There's Agreed. so many. There's right. no Agreed. one left untouched. We all will have right. somebody. So uh, I'm getting the signal from Ryan once again. We're going to go to another commercial break and come back and talk to you folks about recycling homes and maybe a little more talk on the Pan Mass Challenge. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Mark Stiles. I'm the principal attorney of Stiles & Associates, a law firm located in Marshfield. Our practice focuses on real estate transactions. So if you're looking to purchase a property or sell a property, think about Stiles & Associates. Whether it's the home that you plan to raise your family in or looking to diversify and purchase a real estate investment, the attorneys at Stiles & Associates can help. Whether your transaction is traditional or one that's more complicated and unique, such as a short sale transaction, a bank-owned property, or a foreclosure, we can help. Our goal at Styles & Associates is to make sure you understand the entire process, have all of your questions answered, but most importantly, are adequately protected. So give us a call at Styles & Associates at 
319-1900, or check us out on our website at styles-law.com, S-T-I-L-E-S-law.com. Styles & Associates, where personal service and professional excellence still matter. Has this ever happened to you? Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. If it's time for a new septic system or you want repairs to the one you have, it's time to get a hold of Casoli Sand and Gravel today. Is money tight? No problem. Casoli Sand and Gravel offers in-house financing. So if you don't, then it's time for Casoli Sand and Gravel. Visit CasoliSand.com so you can just Casoli Sand and Gravel. Are you thinking about selling your home or buying a new one? Are you a first-time home buyer or perhaps just right-sizing? Do you have a buyer's agent? Do you know if you really even need one? What is home staging? Will it really help me sell my home faster? Do I have to have a home inspection? How much home insurance do I need for my new home? How do I handle my estate sale? What are home sale contingencies? Have you heard that you have to put 20% down to buy a new home? Did you know that that wasn't true? Are you worried about environmental issues? What is radon, lead paint, and mold? Is there a difference between a foreclosed property or a short sale? Do you need to have a Title V inspection to sell your home? What do you do if your system fails? Are these questions you have but you don't know who to ask? Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. Call my office for a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me or one of the many dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate so we can talk real estate. It's easy to connect with some of the South Shore's most experienced real estate agents. Go to bostonconnect.com, bostonconnect.com, or call 781-826-7300. Fifty percent more talk real estate, absolutely free. Talk real estate with Sharon McNamara now, one hour every Saturday morning on ninety-five nine WATD. Hi, this is Mark Styles coming at you again, uh, standing in for Sharon McNamara, trying to give her some sense of a life during this summertime vacation, and I'm sure she's probably still taking phone calls and showing homes and uh, doing what she does so well. I'm here with Rich Murphy, Tony Pina, and Dana Jr., and we're talking about a couple of things. We're talking about, one, recycling homes, a new concept in the real estate investment arena. And we also got off topic a little bit. I hope you enjoy the conversation about the pan mass challenge. But we're going to circle back into the recycled homes topic and talk a little bit about financing these. From what I see from my side of the table as a real estate attorney, this is a somewhat of a risky venture that a conventional lender would probably pass on. Is that an accurate statement? Uh, more than accurate. Okay. So how would one who is out biking around the Plymouth County area find the home with broken windows, high grass, the perfect opportunity to take somebody's, quote, trash and make it a treasure? How would they go about doing that uh, without any conventional financing? Well, without any conventional financing, there, there's a couple avenues. Um, if, um, if you're lucky enough to have the cash, uh, cash is king in this cash business, and uh, it's a nice place to be, but um, not everybody uh, can draw down their bank account like that. Um, you have private financing out there as well. Um, private finance, financing can be a, a little expensive, but... Um, very yeah. expensive from what I understand. Very that. expensive, and it ends up being, uh, if you want uh, a bank or if, if you want that type of partner, 
you know some right. people do it um, there's also friends and family have you said but um, if you want to keep them sometimes you don't want to mix business with right. pleasure and then if it's going to be your primary residence there's actually a product that FHA has put out called the 203k I know Dana was uh, speaking to that over the over the break but that would have to be your primary residence so you'd buy the property get a loan in excess of the purchase price to do the work have the bank monitor the work with licensed uh, contractors but then that would be your home so that Correct. wouldn't work if you were quote flipping the no, property you could not use that product right uh, it's a great product but no you could not use that product if tell you me about um, tell me about the self-directed IRA rich I know that that's a that's a product that's available for some real estate investors how, how do how would that work so a self-directed IRA is um, you know I, I use that uh, for some of my uh, um, transactions and what it is is um, over the years when I was in a quote-unquote real job I had a IRA I built up through the companies I've worked through in the past and then when I was on my own and trying to figure this stuff out um, I wasn't a huge believer in the equity markets so um, I saw my IRA plugging away at you know a couple points a year and and I knew I could do better so um, with the help of a couple third-party agencies where you can park your money you can use your IRA to buy real estate and um, so, not how only so how does that work so you take your your fidelity IRA if you will and you transfer those funds into a third-party custodian is correct that how it works? and okay. so the third-party custodian you know I don't mean to give a plug like a entrust uh, or there's yep. a multitude of companies yep. out there and now they are the uh, custodian of, of that IRA they but don't give you, you then get to direct, i.e., self-direct where that money goes with certain restrictions. I assume. with certain restrictions. The the main restriction on a self-directed IRA is you cannot profit from that transaction with your IRA personally. And I know yeah. that's a funny concept, but you really have to look at, you know, Rich Murphy's IRA is totally separate from Rich Murphy. Got it. And um, whatever the IRA makes in whatever transaction it's in, whether it's buying the property or yep. even lending on the property um, whatever money that uh, that transaction makes flows back into the IRA got it so and all profits would be back to the IRA all profits go back to the so IRA. you couldn't you couldn't purchase the property with the IRA and then fund it with your own individual money for the construction you would have to use all or nothing uh, well that gets a little tricky um, you know depending you know most of the, the easiest transactions are the ones where you can do the whole transaction with your IRA. You can partner with other IRAs, and I haven't done that yet. Yep. And you can partner with yourself, but that um, opens you up to some exposure on um, some unrelated business income tax. And, um, so and it's pretty tax heavy. It's it can be, and it's just um, it's a very technical these are very technical deals, and if you can strip it down and keep um, keep the transaction as simple as possible, i.e., just have all your if it's your IRA, just li if your IRA can do the whole transaction, that's the best. Um, so you, try to remain fully funded in the entire acquisition, construction, and uh, and deployment. That is the easiest way. Got it. Um, I'll let you know as I hopefully grow my IRA and, and want to do multiple deals or bigger deals. Um, I think there's uh, a point where I will look to partner and um, it's just finding the right uh, But it doesn't, it doesn't procure, uh, pr 
peculiar, though. I, I understand. Preclude, oh, preclude, preclude. Peculiar. Thank you. I'm having trouble with my tongue right now. Um, from partnering with other individuals. It's Correct. It's just you can't partner with yourself. You can't partner with yourself unless it's at the very beginning, but um, I'm not doing that. But yes, you know, so I have done some partnerships uh, with other individuals, and um, it just needs to be spelled out in the beginning. Um, you know, there's just, uh, you have to be very diligent. Uh, your paperwork has to be on point. And uh, it's a great way to, um, to build wealth in your IRA. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who believe in the equities market and the, the debt market. Uh, I'm just not one of them. Right. And I want to so be a little more hands-on. So it's a great way to build your IRA, but at the same token, it's a great way to recycle homes. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. Um, what else, Dana? Well, uh, I've gone probably through the whole gamut on financing real estate things. I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. And uh, I was part of the whole real estate boom yep. way back when money was easy and it was flowing. And boy, it was a time of plenty, or at least we felt like it was. And you could get it from anywhere. And you could get it anywhere. Yep. It was cheap. It was flowing. And you could do a lot of business. We all know what happened on that. You right. Know? Uh, that the pendulum the pendulum swings this way, but it also swings back. Yep. And uh, money like that is virtually gone. Right. All right. So, uh, although there are conventional banks that do it, they have construction permanent loans for right. for um, home buyers. Right. Primary for the primary. Right. Yeah. Uh, however, the private market is where I've been able to make. A living right um, since that crash so that's that's what rich was referring to yeah. is some people don't mind some yeah. people will partner with other individuals with capital some people will partner with a lender in essence right. because by right. the time you're done paying that lender out it might as well have been a partner right absolutely now it's very difficult to get private financing I'll have to say in my experience right. on doing it you have to they have to have a comfort level with you. These Correct. these aren't banks that are going to go through a typical underwriting process. It's uh, they have to believe in you. They have to believe in your business plan. And if the project makes sense on a case by case right. basis, you you really have to make that case to right. them to say right. this works. And they also have to believe in you right. that you can make it work. Right. You're going to be a guy that's going to follow through. You have some experience. Uh, you're Track not gonna record. Get, you're not going to get tripped up by permitting, uh, construction right. things, delays. This, I mean, delays always happen. Right. But um, they want to believe in you and your project that you're going to start it. You're going to finish it in a timely manner right. and get their money back to them. Right. And you really need a team to accomplish that goal. And when I mean a team of subcontractors oh, that you yeah. can call on that do good uh, work that but can get it done in a timely manner for you as well. They're going right? to show up. They're going to be able to back you up. They're going to be able to back up their own work over time. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. That's, I mean, Tony, you have You can get a designer right? involved too. That sometimes helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the like designer an is, a, is an important component. Now, is, is one of the things that you do to, to prove up your track record is to take uh, before and after pictures and, and through the progress of the, of the job? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, uh, again, you have to prove yourself and prove your experience to, to somebody like that. Um, 
And that's really the best way to do it is name some addresses. Right. You know, name. What name, did you do? What did you What did you buy it for? How much right. did it cost right. to, to fix it up? What did you sell it for? Did right. you make a profit? Uh, give me some pictures. Right. Are you, do I like it? Right. You know, the investor's going to say, do I like that place? Right. Would I buy that place? And, and how successful were you with your initial budget uh, as opposed to the final budget? I mean, that rich, that's kind of what your wheelhouse is, is with the budgeting, right? Is that, does that cause some uh, sleepless nights sometimes to the budget? Uh, you know, a budget is an integral part of a project. And, um, you know, uh, budgets have to be, uh, you know, you have to uh, know what you got going into a project. Right. And a budget is an integral part. Um, you know, but you also can't be um, myopic in so far as you've got to be able to change as you go. Right. And uh, a market like we're in right now is uh, very robust, to say the least. And a market like this um, brings everybody up, i.e. costs, subs, right. vendors. It's hard to find people right now. Because and, of uh, the busy, busy environment. Of the, the busy work, environment. Right? So um, I've heard a lot of that from, from fellow clients that say, you know, a year ago, everybody was starving for work and you could you could get the best of the best for a, a you know a day's pay if you will and now it's, it's it's impossible to find anybody and if you're finding them and they're going to step away from another job then you're paying a premium for these this service that's definite and there's the doorbell which Who's signifies <laughs> <laughs> the open houseville is about to begin this weekend so what we would like to let you know is that uh, if you go to bostonconnect.com and you search for the open houses, you'll see where all of these fine agents from Boston Connect will be hosting open houses. It's a nice, vibrant market. Get your house before the school season begins. And again, we want to talk about briefly before we exit this for the Saturday afternoon, we want to talk about the PMC. So how rich... Tony, Dana, how can somebody donate to the PMC and help the children of Dana Farber and Jimmy Fund? You know, uh, you know, uh, I'd love you to donate to our team or us individually, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's about the PMC. PMC.org. Go there and it, make a donation. Make It'll it, make you feel pretty good too. Oh, they make it very easy to donate to yes, them. Yes, they very do. Very easy, and that's one of the reasons they've been so successful. PMC.org. As soon as you go on that website, there's going to be a giant red sign right in front of you saying donate to a rider, yeah. and you can pick out anybody you like. And you and can go to, if you were to search simply Marshfield, the entire team would show up. You could actually donate directly to absolutely. Rich, Dana, Tony, myself, or the team that will we will uh, allocate at the end to make sure that everybody has met their minimums. Right. And, and think about riding next year. Think you would about be, riding. You will be think tired but inspired at the end of the day. We got <laughs> spots on our team. We're trying to grow our team. That's we saw right. some big teams out we there. We did 40 see some teams. person teams. So. And we'd love to have you guys join us. Uh, but Sharon would also love to have you call her for any of your real estate needs, both buying and selling, and she can be reached at bostonconnect.com or at 781-826-7300. Again, I'm Mark Stiles of Stiles Law just down the street on 139 in Marshfield where we represent both buyers, lenders, and sellers in both residential and commercial real estate and we can be reached at stiles-law.com. I invite you to read some of our blogs about the home buying and selling process or we can be reached at 781-319-1900. I want to personally thank Dana Jr., Tony Pina, and Rich Murphy for being my guests and making this hour-long 
moment go by so quickly and so uh, and we had a lot of fun and I hope to do it again sometime soon. Thanks guys. That'd be great. Thanks so much. Go Rams. Go Rams.